Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the whole wide world, I wish to welcome you to Wow, What a Show. My name is Phyllis and I am the host and I am so pleased to welcome you again in the name of Jesus Christ. It's so exciting to partner in fellowship with those who are uh, seeking after the Lord to gather together and to be able to talk about Jesus and uh, to just, you know, relax and be able to be uh, very candid with one another about our lives, our struggles, etc. And so it's so good for me to do this podcast because that's what I get a chance to do. And I do hope that you are encouraged also to be open and to be very, very plain with the Lord, to recognize shortcomings and to know that he is able to cause us to live above that flesh of ours that is always craving for something that we are are so prone to give it. (laughs) Whether or not we want to admit it is how it goes. We are born in uh, with a nature to do such a thing. And so um, when we come together and we talk, we get perspective and we are able to then um, be very real with the Lord and just tell him, you know, I contemplate so often how many people are not uh, successful in their uh, relationship with with the Lord. In other words, they uh, start in 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 the faith and they they you know ride really high. They may fly for a while, but then it wanes because God is not a um, he's not like the earthly parent, and yet in so many ways he is the picture of the earthly parent. He does not spoil us except from the beginning. Good evening, Sharice. How are you? It's so glad. Uh, I'm so glad to see you here. And uh, it may be you and I for a while, but we'll go right on. I'm going to talk about Jesus any old way. That's what I do. And I do it no matter who uh, uh, shows up or who, you know, feels the need or the obligation to be with me. I am still very excited to talk about Christ. Also, I uh, have a real desire to um, really help others, you know, because I have been helped. Uh, so I want to I want to talk about some of the issues that keep us from being at least happy in our uh, in our relationship with the Lord. And when I say happy, I'm not saying, you know, ha ha laughing all the time and everything feeling good, but having, having a confidence that brings the joy that we seek and that, you know, we, we, we want to really uh, live in the knowing that God is able to do whatever we need him to do. And we want to understand that if it doesn't come in our time, God is not a man. So he doesn't see life as we see it. He does not. I mean, he does see it as we see it because he can see what we can see. But his definition of life and of joy and of happiness and eternity is so different than ours because he sees it on the eternal spectrum. He knows where he's taking us and he knows what it takes to get us there. We being individually wrought in him. He understands who we are and we are not the same. We do not think things through in the same manner. I'm always telling people we don't process the same. And if you are truthful about that, that is problematic because you want the people that you're talking to to agree with you. At least I do. You want them to see it like you see it, right? At least I do. And when they don't, you're challenged now as one who understands the created 
powers of God and how he has made us all different, you understand that the processing is going to be different. And if we ever come to an understanding, a true understanding of God and what he's done, we will know that it is for our own good that people don't really think like we do about every matter. It is for our own good that there are several um, insights and uh, it takes all of these to come to a good consensus. And when I say a good one, we get closer to the heart of God when we're able to see the different ways that uh, people see into a matter. And therefore, if we can really kind of um, recognize truth from whence, you know, in the various places it's coming from, we can come up with a truth that is going to be very sustainable. And so that's the beauty of fellowship, but it's hard. Nobody will ever tell me that it's not hard. It is hard. And and when I say hard, I mean it's challenging to uh, work along with other people. For me, it has always been that way. And it's very um, kind of hard to just rest and believe that the uh, the team effort or the the, the several uh, perspectives is going to work out to be a single good perspective. That's what we're up against as we are living this life. Tonight I want to do something a little different, right? We had these uh, three weeks of... Um, of uh, the, the, the discourse on on uh, parenting and what struck me in it that I really want to uh, focus on that's kind of driving my present thought is um, the sanctification that is afforded us when we are mothers, when we are parents, men, men too, or in marriage, if we can ever kind of understand that there is no, no time in our lives when God is not working on us. And he gives us many, many opportunities to see ourselves and to recognize where we fall short. And when we don't, when we kind of don't see that, you know, we're missing out on the parenting that God is given to us. He is actually, <laughs> he's being a good parent. He is uh, raising us up. He's showing us how to walk and in which direction to go. And he's showing us where we need to make adjustments in our thinking and how we need to um, uh, reassess or assess where we are in terms of who he is and know that God is getting us into eternity by reckoning us already to be the perfect, you know, without spot or wrinkled church that he is uh, going to forever fellowship with. So we have to get it, you know, kind of halfway right. It isn't in our power, however, to get it right, really and truly, it is God who has the wherewithal to enable us through and by his spirit, once we have come through Christ Jesus into salvation, to get it right. We struggle so much, I believe, and that's kind of what I want to focus on tonight. Um, so uh, bear with me as I try to make my phone stay open, it keeps going black and I don't know why uh, I just needed to stay open though so I can see you guys. Good evening Tony, Richie, I've got uh, so glad to see you I will be in, in contact with you through email Hi there Sister Amy and I welcome XKKTZKY uh, I welcome Prophetic Spiritual Banquet oh my goodness I welcome you guys and thank you so much for coming so I you know I'm a writer of sorts and so I didn't title this this evening and I have two titles before me um, so I'm going to leave off with that until I upload it because I kind of don't know what to, to say we're talking about except how to hold on 
holding on when it doesn't feel so good, when it doesn't look so good in your personal life or in your present experience, when you do not feel God near, when you think that he's not there or he hasn't heard your prayer, what do you do? And um, this is something that I've grown into. You know, I have struggled in my own way uh, to always know that God is near. And I have done many uh, of my podcasts uh, sort of bringing out that point because I think it's the most important aspect of your Christian life. It is the glue that holds you to this relationship. And the more you probe into God's word, the more you will begin to understand, I believe, the relationship and what God is doing. And when you are not very aware of his presence, when you're not ha-ha happy and filled with great joy because everything is wonderful, you will begin to miss out on a great opportunity. I just really, really, really appreciate Anna's bringing that out in her talk about mothering. When the children reject you, remember she said that the Lord spoke to her heart to say, how many times must I remind you of things that you know and yet don't do? And so in those hard places, if we look deep within, we might discover that God is first uh, giving us opportunity to grow or that he is bringing a reminder to us in chastisement. So I wrote one thing here, and I don't know which to read first, um, but I think I'll start with uh, this thing I've titled here, this writing. Sometimes I just start to write uh, on things that I'm thinking about. And this particular day in the year 2016, I must have been thinking about suffering because I did uh, title this writing Suffering Night. I haven't read it since then except today as I was praying about what we shall do tonight. So bear with me and come with me. Please, please, uh, I want you to respond Whatever is on your heart and mind, please respond. Please talk with me. If I could, I'd have everyone sitting up in the co-host seat. Um, but that might be a little um, uh, risky given the cyber intrusions that we have so often. And I don't have that many spaces. So anyway, <laughs> talk to me if you would in the chat. So I'm going to begin by reading uh, or, you know, looking through this thing. And I start by saying I so often contemplate the sovereign will of God. Now go with me. Sovereign will, the overarching, everything in his power. And I wonder why he allows me to endure so much suffering. So many trials, so much sadness, so much loneliness. Not only me, but all of his children. All of his children go through these things. We go through so much and it seems so unfair because we try to live righteously and to do his command. Then I remembered these words from the psalmist David. In sin did my mother Conceive me. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Gee whiz. Just one big ball of confusion. As that old song says. Well, uh, why am I such a sinner? And why do I suffer to be purified from the sin within? Teachers explain that in Adam all died. That's the word of God. In Adam all died because the first Adam and the first Eve, of course, failed to obey. Therefore, all their children inherit this fallacy, this tendency to not obey. I contemplate that too. And I just want to understand the logic, I guess. And anyway, this amazing thought comes to help me sort it all out. It is not that I do what they did because they are the first parents. 
I do what they did because they were created with the inclination to do what they did. They were given the nature to make a choice to do what they did. They were created with free will. Now, in discussing free will, I never quite likened it to the nature of man to sin. In other words, I didn't think of free will as being the nature that was given to Adam and Eve and the one that I inherit from these uh, uh, parents of mine. So as I reread the Genesis account of creation, I hear one more time that man was created in God's own image. That is quite a profound and amazing truth. In the image of God, in the likeness of him, a copy of him, as it were, to use just a few synonyms. Consider also that when he made man, he said it is good, as he said regarding all that he had created. And you know, guys, when we look out, I start this show usually by quoting Psalm um, uh, uh, 19, in, and it says that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? The firmament showeth forth his handiwork, that day unto day utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. It further states that his law is perfect, that he it makes wise the simple. All this is good. God said it is good. So if now... All of this is good in my very simple way of thinking. If it's so good, why are we so bad? God, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient is greater than I and he's greater than you. And in himself is all that is good. He made me like him, but he didn't make us him. That's important to recognize. We are like him, but we are not him. He didn't make us equal with him in the possession of all power, all knowledge, and all goodness. Nor did he make us the creator of all things. Instead, he made us in his image with the power to decide to become someone who would love him and choose to live as he lives. To live and not die, we must bend our weird our wills toward him first by, and these are just a few of the strategies that we can we can uh, employ if we are living in a in a moment in time when we feel an abandonment of God, when we don't think He's hearing us, when things are not shaping up quite like we would want it. Remember that you are not God. You do not have the sight that takes you through the future. And therefore, your choices are limited by what you do indeed know and what you indeed can see. And also that through the glass darkly, a glass darkly, is how we see, except by the spirit of the living God. Our sight is improved when we allow the spirit to guide us because we're walking through a darkness, not all the way dark because the light of his glory, his life has come on to a believer. But just think about it. We are called out of darkness into his light and we still are seeing through a glass darkly. And only when we are with him in the eternal place shall we see clearly and shall we know even as we are known. So he didn't make us equal with him in the possession of all power. And to live, we must first bend our will toward him by believing. Now, when we talk about believing, that's such an easy word to say. And there are so many things that we believe in the realm 
of this uh, carnal life that we live, right? And we we actually exercise our faith in the thing that we believe. And you could just go through your day and say, how many things have I believed that I didn't, you know, I didn't make it. I didn't create it. It's outside of my power even to understand it. But I believe it. And so I approach it as if it will be okay. I mean, I start the day with um, the belief that I'm going to live through it. Right. I, I, I wake up breathing. And so I'm saying, I, I guess I'll breathe all day. So I get up and I start to be and do whatever I be and do in a day. Right. And by God's good grace and power so far, I've lived through each of those days. But then there are other things that I do that I believe that are outside of my power. Like I go into the bathroom, just walk through your day and see what you do. Right. I turn on a faucet and the water comes out because I believe the water is going to come. I believe that whoever designed this plumbing line, they run through my house and under the ground and from the reservoirs and all that stuff. I, it's going to work. I had nothing to do with it, but I believe it. And so I just move around just like it's going to work for me. And then it, I may... um after I do all of that, I go, you know, throughout the house. There's so much that I'm doing that I'm believing in and it's working for me. Then I get in my car to go hither, thither or yon. I go to the grocery store and do this little thing. You know, I was talking today about children who've never seen a cow, but they drink the milk. <laughs> and they just believe it's going to be all right for them. And those who have seen the cow and they still believe it, that milk is going to be just fine. I used to, with my brother, just uh, milk the cow and just drink it straight from the bladder there. Because I just believed it was it was all right. Because you know, mother it made the, and I churned milk and turned it into butter. Well, I've seen some miraculous things happen. Um, believing. So when we come to God, why is it so hard to believe what He says is true? You're taking the word of men that things are true and acting on that. But in the kingdom, we somehow find it difficult too act on what he has written. So the book of Hebrews, it is written that anyone who comes to God must first believe that he is. And in believing, we believe also that he rewards those who, now this is a word, and I've talked on this one before, diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. I'll bet that there are many things in your life, in my life, I know there are in mine, that I have diligently sought. And in diligently seeking, I have actually been able to find it, uncover it, discover, become, etc. I I, I I do a lot of little scribbling, you know, and I'm taking a writing course. And so we were to write on a life event and um, I'm writing on, on a couple. But one one was uh, joined being in this Miss Black North Carolina beauty pageant way back then. I had no desire to be in a beauty pageant. I want you to understand this because I have never looked at myself and said she's beautiful. Nope, not at all. But. That summer, it was the same summer that I miraculously was accepted into North Carolina School of the Arts, right? And so that's a, it was a powerful summer for me because here I am in both these things and I was here the thither and yon, right? Now, I didn't really believe that I could be the beauty pageant winner, at, but but I let my friends uh, talk me into doing this thing that I really didn't want to do. But they talked me into it, you know, they gave me all the reasons why I should join and enter into it and all this stuff. And I didn't believe any of it. But I went on and I did it. But in even in not thinking that I was a beauty queen, I did everything that was required of me. And I ended up as the second runner up to my absolute and utter shock. And the the reason that it's it's uh, something I mentioned is because I talked to one of the people, he was a judge or something, I don't know what it was, but this man had talked to me twice. He'd come to me and he'd talk to me, you know. And um, so when I became second runner-up, you know what he told me after the pageant? He said, you could have won, 
but I gave them a very controversial answer to a question on civil rights. It was in the throes of the Black Panthers and civil rights and all that was going on at that time. And he said, we had to make you second runner-up so you'd never have to take the first place. <laughs> I thought that I was I was like, uh-huh, what? You know, that this man was even talking to me. I don't know the man's name even till today because he wasn't, I, I was not even that interested in being in this beauty pageant. And so I thought, I'll go, you know, and my friends will be satisfied, whatever. I was running between two. <laughs> the word is diligently seeking him. Yes, so that means that one can seek God, but not diligently. Yes, we are still praying and hoping to seek him diligently, no matter what happens in our lives. We know that that's a reward after the storms and the tribulations. Tony, thank you for that. Tony wrote that. We can seek him, but not diligently. Okay, so you can go looking for a thing like I did with this pageant. You know, I I got in there and I did everything they told me to do, but I didn't do it to win the prize. I just went through the motions. I was more concerned with my work. I, that, that thing was in Greensboro. I was up in Winston-Salem. I'm coming back and forth, Durham, Winston-Salem, Greensboro. You know, during that time, it was taking up a lot of time. I just went, but I actually managed by going through the motions and doing what I was supposed to do to end up in second place. And according to that man, if I hadn't been so controversial in my statement, which was out of my mother's mouth, and you know, it came through, it was in my head from my mother. I just said this thing. I won't tell you what it was at this time. But if I hadn't been that controversial, according to him now, I would have won. Isn't that something? You go for something that you don't even want. You follow the rules You do what you're supposed to do, and you land in a good place. Think about it if you had sought it diligently. If I had put my whole heart, mind, and soul in getting this thing done, what might have become? I might have been Miss Black North Carolina the very first pageant. I would have been written in history, you all. Can you imagine that? No. It didn't matter to me. I didn't want it, but I did go through the motions. And so we must diligently seek him. Now, what is diligence to you? I suggest that you look it up in the dictionary as I, you know, I did, but I didn't bring that definition here. Someone will write it out. That'll be lovely. If you do that and then compare that to the life of Jesus Christ in his fulfillment of the purpose for which he was born, that he was steadfast, he was set, focused, he didn't move to the left or the right. He was never off course. He was steadily moving towards what? We see it as him moving to the cross. And he did go there. But when he was on the cross, he said what? It is finished. Hallelujah. His focus was on eternity for his creation. Because in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. His focus was on the propitiation of his own judgment, his own law, that men would have to come through and by the sacrifice of the pure lamb, that in the day that men sinned, they would truly die. But his plan for redemption was already wrought. He'd already done it. And we just beheld that glory when he came into this world. So we must first believe. Set your face on him. Move not to the right nor to the left, Diligently seek 
who? Him. Not the rewards, but him. When we seek him, he is the reward. We come to know him, not just in an external fellowship, but an internal fellowship, a life, a quickening, a change, a transformation, a metamorphosis. We become the children born again of God. Diligence. Yes, it is an act, adjective, having or showing care and conscientiousness in one's work or duties. Conscientiousness. I think of that word as a consciousness for it, being focused on it. And if you have worked in your life like I have worked in my life, your work really can become your life or a large it is the point from which other aspects of your life flow. And that's what we do when we diligently seek the Lord, right? And this is how we hold on to him. In diligently seek him, he says in his word, we shall surely find him if we seek him with all our heart. That's diligence. You will find him. But he isn't to be found like something you pick up off the floor or the ground. He is to be found in residence in you. Now, I can only say that it happens, right? I can't prove to you except by my own testimony. But if you diligently seek him, you will be able to prove it by what happens in your life. And then it becomes your own testimony as well. Oh God, help us, show us the way. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is the authority by which we come to God. It is written in the book of Hebrews. And that book, let's see, I'm going to give you a... A direct reference, because if you haven't read the book of Hebrews and studied it, I almost started to read it tonight, but I say, well, they probably have had enough of me reading like that. But Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 6th verse, but you should read the whole thing. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, faith is believing that he is. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Thank you, Tony, for your help tonight. Beautifully done. And then once you begin to seek the Lord, he will unveil you. First he unveils himself, but then he will unveil you to you. You will begin to see him and in his reflection you will see you. You will see you being loved of God because we're going to understand that you, as well as me, are truly those born in sin and shaped in the iniquities. That our heart condition is at enmity with God. We are his enemies. We don't want to do what he says to do. We do not want to follow him. We don't really want to deny ourselves anything that we perceive to be good and pleasurable. We want to partake of the dainties of the world. Why? Because that's what we see. That's what we know. And God knows and understands the limitations of our lives and our sight and our sensations and our sensualities. He knows all of that, which is why this thing had to be done. And so we begin to see ourselves. And when we do, we truly repent. And we truly want deliverance. Change me, O oh God. Leave me not in this condition. 
cause me to walk in newness of life. I desire rebirth. So we then give ourselves to him. We recognize that we are shaped in iniquity. We recognize that there is not one without sin. We realize, that's in the book of John, uh, the, uh, the gospel, John chapter 8, verse 7. We recognize that everybody around us is a sinner as well and can devise wicked things and that we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, listen, it doesn't take you long to recognize that people can be very, very what? Mean, harsh, unholy, disloyal, unfaithful, without understanding of who you are. And listen, you we're pointing the finger out there, but honest to goodness, Look back at yourself and see what you do. What are your thoughts? What, are you, what is your heart condition? How do you feel about other people? How often are you in error? How many times have you satisfied, satisfied your own desires to the, um, what is it, the just absolutely having no thought of anybody else? And these are just a few of the surface things. I'm not going deep. We could get deeper, deeper, deeper by looking into the hearts of many people, including ourselves, and come up with some very startling actions, conditions of our own hearts. Hmm. The remedy, again, is to Believe that God exists and then diligently seek him. And second is to open your eyes to your own sins, to yourself, and see why the death of Jesus Christ was so necessary. To understand that the inherited nature, really it is not Adam and Eve's uh problem alone. It, it was going to be our problem if there had been no Adam and Eve because God did not make us equal with him and he gave us free will. And the free will of a man in his flesh will always seek and choose the thing that will satisfy him in his flesh. And remember we said, you know, the law came uh, as, a, as a schoolmaster when we look into the law, and it came first, God made the law. And you know, God does things to prove that he's right about him. I'm so sure about that. He, he doesn't have to prove it to himself. He has to prove it to us. If, if he hadn't given us the law, well, why didn't you tell us? He said, but I did tell you, you see. He's like your children. When Anna gave the talk on the children, you know, when they those kids reject you, you bring them up and then they start doing whatever they want to do. And you look at them and say, oh, my goodness. Well, my gracious, who are these people? Did I raise them in my house? Are these my children? And if we can get there, do you think God can't get there too? He gave us the law. And in the book of what book is that, Romans? It's by the law that my sin becomes more exceeding sinful. I look in that law and I say, oh boy, how far do I fall? It's really difficult. And yet, it can be so much easier. When we submit fully to the Lord, when we just live in, and you know what? Folks don't want you to be holy. they call your names like she's being holier than thou or he's being holier than thou. Or, oh, you just try to be so perfect. Or, you know, you hear all this stuff because a man wants to be in his pleasures. He wants to live in his desire. But I tell you, and I just told a friend when he said, oh, these super Christians get on my nerves. I said, really? Now, I, I, I said, I'm a super Christian. I'm, I'm the person you're talking about. I'm not those people, but I call, I, I hope I'm a super Christian. 
And he said, well, you know, he started joking around and he said, Jesus played a third base on the, on the Yankees team. I said, that Jesus did, but the one that I, uh, worship is, he's in, he's not on the third base in the Yankees team. You better hope not, but I know not, you see. So we get, we do all these little cliche, wonderful, you know, funny things, uh, to try and hide our distaste for the Lord. And then you and I who are in him and know him to be a rewarder of those because we've diligently sought him. He's rewarded us. Not as diligently sometimes as, as we ought to have, but God has given you great reward and he will give you great reward if you diligently seek him. But we get ashamed, and right in there we become the enemy of God. We get ashamed to identify with him, him having done all that he has done for us. And I said to my friend, just own up to it. Just be. Don't try to hide behind these little statements you're making. If you're a Christian, just be, a, just be that, right? Let people say and do whatever they want. Because my actions, if I am truly born again, are going to be like Christ. And if you notice in the Gospels, it was only those who were jealous of him that were against him. When he healed the sick and he raised the dead, made the lame to walk, caused the deaf to hear, gave the blind their sight, that was good stuff. And those people were so happy to get it. So when you are acting like your Savior, truly, you are a blessing in the midst for somebody. So don't be afraid. Submit your entire way to him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. And when we're living close to him that way, in constant submission, It isn't that you're living perfection. It is that you're living maturity. You are asking the Lord. I am asking him, what shall be done here today, Lord? How shall I think about this thing, Father? Am I right in what I am thinking, Lord? Is that person in a right place? Or am I in a wrong place? I am constantly submitting my way to the Lord. And so when the dark clouds come, oh glory to God, I'm telling you, I used to get, I don't know, I'll call it depression for lack of anything, when there were dark clouds. Literally the weather, I was really, my personality was very, very affected by the weather. I could not almost bear cloudy, overcast days. Until I began to quote Psalm 19 over and over and over again. And limited since I started and, you know, I just almost can't stop saying the heavens declare the glory of God. And when I say it, all of a sudden I see, hear, feel, touch the natural world that he has made. And I recognize how wonderful it is. And I am so thankful for the rain. I understand the overcast days are holding something there that is good for the earth. I know that God has taken care and he is doing what only God can do to make sure that there is balance in this place and that we still have wind and air and we can breathe and that there will be a harvest. Hallelujah. Because God is doing something that I don't understand. And he does it the way he does it. And so, as I recognize his hand, I am grateful. I am less moody about it. I'm telling you, it was so bad that I would cry out and say, Oh Lord, please, Let the sun shine. I need the sunshine. And this is why Miss Helen said he loves me better than anybody else. She would say that about herself. And then I was saying that, oh, nobody loves me the best. Because when I would cry out like that, God would give me a couple of minutes of sunshine, even 
if it did rain and storm, I would get that sunshine because I needed it. I really needed it. And he knew that's who he is. That's how good he can be when we diligently seek him. And Reams writes, I like that, that he unveils ourselves to us as only he can. You got it. I'm telling you, sitting in my dining room, the first time I'm sorry, sitting in my bedroom on the on the bed, reading from one of the, the, the Pentateuch books, and I saw me, I saw me, honey, I saw me in the raw, in the full of my sinful self. And it was so hard to see that I just fell on my knees. Twice I did that in my life. God showed me Phyllis. And as good as I thought I was, oh my goodness, I saw how very dirty, how very mixed up, how very lost. Oh, he is good. He is so good. And he doesn't do that to hurt your feelings or to to say, I'm going to talk about you. No, he does that because he loves you and he loves me. That unveiling says Freshman becomes a proof that the, he is really there, that the reality of God, he is really there. You are so right because nobody else can see into you like he can. And you can't even see into you like he can. I was in church, we were having a discussion, and they were talking about what you ought to do and do this and do that. And I'm saying, well, the problem with that is, for me, I don't often know when I'm wrong. And that's the truth. And it's only by the Holy Spirit's uh, unveiling of me. Remember, one of the things that he does is to bring to my remembrance all things and to reprove the world of sin. He shows me myself. And I am getting mature enough to literally admit it. Glory to God. I can say I'm wrong. I can say I am sorry. I can say, please forgive me. I can be unveiled. Before the throne of God, I stand. He's wonderful. And if he is God, I tell uh, all the people that I talk to, right? If he is God, he deserves at least that much. Before him, I stand a saved sinner. Before him, I declare absolutely nothing of myself. I declare his reckoning of me as saved, even though I know I am walking into it. And he is being faithful in bringing me to it. We have a a wonderful Lord. He is advocate for us. He stands before the throne always in intercession. So if we believe that he is there, if we allow him to unveil us to us, if we repent of our sins, these are just paraphrased words of God's own word spoken through Jesus Christ and the apostles who came behind and opened it up for us even more. If we then submit our way constantly, being in submission to him, holding on won't be a thing. Yes. Before him we stand naked. There is no hiding place except in him. In him. He is my hiding place. If I stand in him, I'm covered. 
But if I try to stand outside before him as if I am ready, pure, mature, holy, that's when I have the problem. And thank you, Sister Amy. That was from Sister Reams and Amy Kay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Yes, indeed. Constant submission. See, I, I read a whole bunch on, you know, cause, cause it's on my heart, y'all, when people are struggling in their faith, when they struggle. Now, we struggle, you know, I'm not saying that life is not gonna bring some, some strong winds and we're gonna like, you know, I was telling my, my pastor friend who is kind of like, all you have to do is this, that, or the other. I'm saying, well, you know, if I could do this, that, or the other, I would do this, that, or the other. I need some, help in here. <laughs> and God, God, God has made a way. And I just believe that his way is my way and that he can get me there. Not in my strength. I have not the strength to do it, but he does. So we have the Holy Spirit's help at all times. God is good. He's really good. So I want to just um, end up, because I, I think I do anyway, with this um, something I wrote called The View. And I believe this is a, a, a reason for us to um, struggle so much. And I might start and stop, guys. You know, you just have to bear with me in this one. Every man begins life with an upward view, excuse me, as if he is standing at the bottom of a very tall tree. And looking up to the top, he hears life's song. And the sound and brightness of dawning life draws him. He eager, He's eager to climb. And so he starts to climb. Along the way, surprised by life, in joy he laughs. And when he falls and scrapes his knees in pain, he cries with tear-filled eyes. But continues up, and up the climb goes on till midway the height of that tall tree. A shocking, sad discovery. The climb is steep. And all around are casualties. Loved ones, friends, and family fail, disappoint. He stops, he stares, and looks around. Realizes the top is nowhere to be found. Not even in sight, lost from view. The vista lost, lost even the sound. Even as he reaches for that summit, the brightness fades into gray haze. Quickly, time too becomes not years, but days. Hours, seconds before the bearing bends toward limbs length and in spiral spin. There's not so strong as once supposed. As burdens weigh heavier, that beautiful song, life song, is now transposed. These limbs that from bottom view seem so strong now lean and bend downward again, away from the top, backward, downward towards the ground. But not back to the starting point from which it begun, not to the place where he started the climb. No, this time the limbs on the very tall tree bend toward a different spot, away from its base. It bends now away from, but to a space which at end is a resting place. And if not for the whisper of a greater than I, the somewhat slow, then fast descent on the leaning limb would cause great fright into doom of night. To that one focus now on the bending limb of the tree, I strain, I stretch to reach for support, for safety. Somehow, Fear of the downward lean is allayed by the firm grip of the one who is the mystery of the climb. And two, I know that he is not me, but he is me. The one greater than I whispers and tells me now that the place I'm bound is where I must begin again to climb to a new summit. 
salvation's rest. And there to be placed on fertile ground where growth is sure. Not free from the ascent to the top of the temporal, I always believe to be life's pinnacle. The life strived for, never quite attained. On that steep climb to the top that was not to be found, I was never to gain. How liberating now, this ride on the leaning limb. It's not a fall, nor is it a descent as in going down to start over again, but it is to begin anew, a chance to be transformed through death into all I've been, all I knew. To gain all that now known by revelation, the focus, the whisper of God that carries me gently down to the ground to be buoyed up again in the pure light. The light is the summit I was climbing to reach. The light is seen from the base of the tree, the whisper, the song that drew me climb, hearing the call, the sound, till through this change I receive clear sight from that bright and marvelous light. For from the first steps on the rung of the ladder up the tall tree, in the thicket of its growth, I could no longer see. By the miracle of force, I was led to a limb where I could no longer climb. The limb, the bend, has raised me up by way of down. And so the climb was to that limb, chosen not from birth but plan of God before he even thought of me, was born in human flesh or time, ordained by God to scale, not height, but to be reborn, to shine, to live through light. Eternal light, the reason for my desire, the call to climb. Every person begins life with an upward view. Born less than two feet tall, everything we see is up. We all must look up to be supported, to eat, to drink, to receive. Hands from above us reach down to us. And so the natural stance from the beginning of life is from below with an innate mechanism that moves us upward to stand, to walk, to be supported by that which is above us. Till in time, we make our way up to an equal footing and height of those who reach down to us with hopes to achieve what we call a good life. Psalm 95 says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if we will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my work. So that is, in my view, the way we begin life. And if we are fortunate to fall suffering, you see, we might turn all over to the great creator, we might actually receive his rebirth and come to know salvation and be once again in fellowship with our God. How about that? Wasn't the best of readings. I should have read it so much before, but it does, I pray, give a picture of what the point is tonight, and that is to strive to understand that we are truly able to stay in Christ and to realize the truth, every promise that he has given, every word that is spoken in his word will come to pass for each of us. God is good. And Reem's right, and before him we stand naked. There's no place to hide. Yes, and then she goes, mm-hmm. Okay, so great picture story. I didn't read it well. And I I um I have to say, you know, I will I will maybe read it again. Um all these all these writings are going to appear again and um <clears throat> 
hopefully I can, you know, uh, break them apart and help you to see. Only by the Holy Spirit are we able to paraphrase in some small way the magnitude of God's word so that it becomes, um, I guess, a, a, a greater grasp. So welcome, um, Michael Bay, Michaela Bay. Yes, welcome, Bay, B-L-A-Y, sorry. Michaela, beautiful names, right? God, I, I so thank you. If you have no more comments, which I would love to have some more comments, but if you have none other, then remember this one thing that our our life in Christ is for a second. We only live a short while, really and truly. In Psalm uh, 90 says we grow up, you know, uh, in the morning like grass and, and we wither at night. We only live a day. I mean, we don't even live a full day, truly. If a day is like a thousand years, what time is it? I did that. You know, I looked up all the calculations because I am thinking of writing something. And uh, our time with the Lord is very, very minimal. And in this time that he's given us, he stretches out the uh, years before us as if they are true years, but his years are not our years. So our time is limited and we really do want to, to really seek him and to commit our way before him so that we definitely enter into this eternal rest that he has for us and the eternal joy and fellowship with himself. Well, my darlings, I am so grateful that you joined me. Thank you, Sharice, for hanging tough. Uh, she was first in the studio tonight. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be the two of us. She's right here. She wrote uh, comments, and I love it. And Tony, and thank you so much, all who have um, come again. And remember, the point of our being here is is not really to pour water into the sea, I want you to share. You have something to say. And for those who might need some understanding or who might be seeking the Lord in their own way, your perspective is as good as mine. And I love it when you give it. May he be praised forever and always. And I want you also to um, go rejoicing as the Lord has made us glad every day, all day, by um, keeping us in his way. And we are aware that we can count on him for that which is good. I just love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to, you know, I try to talk a little bit and give you time to write a thing or two. <laughs> but, uh, well, thank you, Sharice. What a word. Come and give a word yourself. You all are so worthy. I feel like I am the most blessed person in the whole wide world because there are so many great, great uh, people around me who love the Lord with all their hearts and who are able to give good and meaningful um uh, testimony and uh, exposés of his word. I love it. I appreciate you more than you could ever know. Amy Kay, thank you. Spiritually powerful and effective offering of the walk of life with the Lord. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. It's a pleasure and a blessing, Mommy. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. What a word. God's word is always that way. Thank you for presentation. Rest well. And to the rest of you, let's go forth with great rejoicing and thanksgiving, knowing that we have received a bountifully from a table that was set by our Father. May he be praised forever and ever. Glory to the Lamb. Next week, I want you to know, I think it's next week, we're going to do some more relevant talking with another pastor friend of mine who is going to... Uh, discuss what America needs with regards to racial relationships. You might enjoy that. Please come bring a friend if you will. May the Lord our God be praised forever and ever. Thank you. Good night and sweets to all the sweet out there. See you next time. <laughs>